Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company. And today we're joined by the wonderful Chloe Okuno to talk about her film, Watcher. And, you know, you initially came on board of the of this film to, to direct it. Um, Zach Ford had written the original screenplay. And then you actually also ended up writing the script and, and helping and sharing in some of the rewriting process. Um, and it sounds like a lot of that in terms of your input was really fleshing out a lot of elements for the central character, Julia. And I was really interested in what were some of the aspects when you were looking at the script that you felt like it was really important to you know kind of add to or evolve within her as a character pertaining to the story and how you saw yourself telling it as a director yeah um I mean Julia definitely for the first few passes I think was my primary focus um and even when I was going into the producers to do my pitch I think part of my pitch to them was you know I want to bring um my experience to this character I feel like she's a person who um, you know, can be more representative of what I know it's like um, being in this position and being doubted and having um, certain fears or anxieties or having a strong instinct about something and still sort of being met with a lot of uh, skepticism. Um, and because I've been in that situation and because I knew how frustrating it was, but also because I knew how as a woman, unfortunately, you have to navigate that situation, um, which is, you know, I think I, I sort of am hyper aware of the fact that if I get too emotional, it's just gonna give the people around me, um, men and women in many ways, uh, but especially men, uh, just more ammunition to doubt me or to write me off as uh, hysterical. So I think a lot of women, you know, are very, have to be very delicate in these kinds of situations um, and they have to regulate their own emotions, even when their emotions uh, are and should be very um, intense because it's a, a situation that's very scary or it's a situation that, um, you know, a person should be angry about. So all, all of that is what I tried to bring to the character of Julia. I love that. And, and that even kind of carries through to stylistically the way that you've told this film on screen as well, because it's not about trying to create sudden jumps for the audience in terms of the way that it's creating tension. It's that real internalized feeling that, you know, I think anyone who's a woman who's walked down a street knows what that feeling is of, is somebody following me? Is somebody watching me trying to look around your surroundings, but not necessarily being able to fully turn around. Um, and, and I loved the way that the film really captivated it as such like an emotion and a feeling and the experience of watching it and so what were some of the tools that you thought about in terms of how you wanted to direct this film and how you really wanted to create that sort of tension and, and very specific emotion yeah um I think you know I talked a lot um with you know my key collaborators with the production designer and the DP and the costume designer about you know how do we bring this woman's interiority to the screen how do we visually show um you know, this feeling of, like you said, walking down the street and just being sort of hyper aware of your surroundings and and feeling that at any moment there is like eyes on the back of your head, you know? So I think a lot of that was sort of playing with lensing, um, playing with focus, you know, we're sort of on longer lenses early on in the movie a lot of times. So Julia really stands out, but the background is sort of always out of focus behind her. Um, and it sort of achieves two things at once. One is that when you're shooting with a longer lens, it already longer lenses tend to have this sort of like voyeuristic feel to them. You feel like there's somebody, you know, watching you from across the street. 
but also with the sort of background fading away, um, everyone behind you is just this sort of blurry figure and you don't really know who is or isn't watching you. It almost feels like everyone's watching you at every moment. Um, so that was one sort of, you know, just technical tool. Um, and of course, you know, a lot of it was sort of like bringing in the figure of the watcher, making sure we obscure him a lot. So he is almost this just like name, nameless, faceless person who could be anyone at any time. Um, I think that probably helped increase the sense of, of dread and, and discomfort. With that idea of, of the long lenses and that very voyeuristic feel in terms of the visual style of the film as well, I also thought it was so interesting that as much as you know we're experiencing Julia feeling like she's being watched and being watched throughout the film, that she's also an observer as well. She's in a new city. She doesn't know anybody. She goes to the cinema. She kind of like looks around everybody in the room. And so she's kind of keenly interested in every person who's crossing her path as well. Um, and so what are one of the ways, some of the ways that you wanted to create that setup of it very much being about her being watched and followed, but also the way that she's watching her surroundings as a newcomer in a new city. Yeah, part of it, I think, is just sort of, um, well, it's, it's partially, I think it is the fact that she is just new to the city. So it's very natural for her to be looking around and taking in her surroundings and and partly not just because she's afraid, but because she wants to sort of take in the beauty of, of what's around her, the way you do when you go to a new place. Um, I think there's also a sort of, maybe general curiosity about Julia, even that first night when she gets out of bed and she's looking out the window. I mean, I think we are sort of implying she herself maybe has some voyeuristic impulses inside of her. Um, and, you know, I think that to me is, is sort of part of the fun and playfulness of, of the conceit of the film, which is like, is she watching him? Is he watching her? Um, but, but I think the third thing would be, you know, for her, I think it is a response to the feeling of being watched is to have her start to be even more aware of her surroundings. You know, when she goes to the theater and starts looking around at the audience, I think maybe it's partially curiosity, but maybe it really is because she just had this scary experience and she, she wants to make sure that, you know, there's not, um, someone behind her who she should be wary of. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things at once. <laughs> and you've also really captured this film as so much being us watching it through her perspective as a character and even the choice of not translating the language on screen with subtitles. You know, it's, she doesn't understand what's being said in the room around her. And so as an audience, we don't know what's being said as well. You know, we're looking for visual cues, you know, hand gestures that characters are making to try and read between the language. And I thought that was a really interesting choice. And so I wanted to ask you about what are some of the other elements that were really important to you in terms of making sure that it was about her perspective 100% in the way that you told this story? Yeah, I mean, in a way it was, it was everything. The subtitles were a big part of it. I think, um, you know, when I'm thinking about shot listing and when I'm thinking about where to put the camera, and even when I'm thinking about um, production de design and wardrobe, it's all sort of meant to, to be in the service of what this character is feeling. Um, and helping sort of track her journey. So, you know, I think like one thing that sort of was a, um, an idea early on that we really followed through with is the sort of color story of her wardrobe where she kind of initially shows up and she's in these very bold reds um, and sort of more feminine clothing. And then as the movie goes on and she's becoming more fearful and more sort of, um, you know, aware of this person watching her, 
she really starts to wear these like muted neutral tones, you know, um, blending into the background of the sets and our locations, like she wants to physically disappear. Um, and again, it's sort of just little ways that, you know, you can use the, the wardrobe or production design or camera to sort of give some insight into, into what she's feeling uh, at any given moment. And in terms of the production design, obviously the apartment is such a central location to the film because it's not just about the visual elements of what that space looks like. It's also about, you know, that being the space where you kind of need to have those really large windows. You need to see where she's being watched from across the street. Um, you know, and even just the aspects of the fact that the apartment doesn't have their details yet. You know, they've just moved in, they've moved into a fully furnished apartment. They haven't decorated it. They haven't kind of reflected themselves on the walls and and things that they're putting up. And so Mm -hmm. there's this kind of very stark feeling to the space that they're in as well. Um, And what was that journey of of kind of looking for a location that was going to have all of those different aspects that you needed, be a space that you could really production design internally in that way. And then realizing that actually building it on a studio location was the real necessity in order to get all of those things in one space. Yeah, we looked for a very long time. Um, and I did have a very particular idea of what I wanted the apartment to look like. Obviously, like you said, it's such an important space that she's occupying and it becomes, you know, I think, again, it's sort of like helping to tell a story where when she shows up, you know, I wanted it to be big enough and elegant enough to feel exciting and feel like this is a place that you would want to live, even if, you know, it's so minimalistic and the color palette is kind of monochromatic, it, it can shift towards this coldness um, and even, you know, this sort of claustrophobia. So, and of course, you know, the windows were a huge aspect of it. We needed these gigantic windows. So essentially we looked for this apartment and it didn't ever really exist, at least not that we could find it in Bucharest. Um, and we looked, in earnest for so long. Um, I was very wary of doing a set build for this just because so much of it involved looking outside of the windows. Um, and I, you know, when blue screen is done well, it's wonderful, but the idea of sort of shooting this entire movie where everything was staying outside is blue screen was like really scary to me because I wanted this to feel grounded and real. Um, and the moment that people don't believe that we're in an actual apartment is the moment the movie falls apart. But all that being said, we couldn't find it. So we, we, we ended up building it out of necessity. Um, but our production designer, Nora Dimitrescu, um, is brilliant. And she obviously just did this incredible job. Um, it was kind of perfect as well, because you know we could make the windows exactly as big as we wanted, which is to say, <laughs> like, stupidly enormous. Um, and we could, you know, have the exact color of the walls, we could design the set to sort of fit with the idea that I already had of the apartment and with the idea that I already had of blocking and where I thought the actors, you know, should be moving within scenes. Um, so it actually ended up working out really well. Um, and then I think the the biggest sort of thing that we found that really helped us was we do use blue screen. So I never know if this is interesting or really boring, but- It's so we interesting. Do- <laughs> <laughs> we do use blue screen, I would say, probably like, 40% of the time, but 60% of the time we're using something called a translate, which is actually very old technology. It's essentially just a backdrop uh, that is outside of the window. So all of that is really in camera. Um, it's just a very uh, technically advanced backdrop called a Roscoe soft drop. So um, yeah, that, that ended up being how we, we achieved 
our apartment with the watchers building next door. <laughs> I love those, those sorts of details because it is such a central key component to the film, um, you know, and, and kind of stepping over into talking a little bit about working with, with Micah Monroe, who plays the, the main character, Julia, you know, it's, it's such a wonderful performance from her. And especially because it's a film that doesn't shy away from the, the silences and the moments and particularly because she is in this new city in this new space where she doesn't speak the language and her partner's off at work throughout the day. And so there's a lot of scenes and a lot of moments where we're really just following her exploring the city or in different interactions and a lot of mm -hmm. moments by herself in the apartment as well. Um, and in building a lot of that, that silence in between with her, um, how did the two of you approach figuring out what the elements of that needed to be? What was the internalized kind of tone or emotion that would need to come forth in any given moment, just to make sure that you were really telling so much of a story in those quiet moments, just as much as when a character is saying something out loud. I wish I could take credit for any of that, but I think so much of it is really Micah um, and just how incredible she is. Um, I mean, she's really astounding in this, um, but I think one of the reasons that she's particularly great um, and unusually great is because she can bring so much to the silence. She can do so much without saying anything. Um, and really like, I just, she's sort of in a lot of ways, um, I love that her performance is so fragile uh, and that she is an, an, in many ways kind of an open book um, and you're just seeing this these sort of conflicting emotions play out on her face um, and in terms of how we work together I feel like the only you know of course the the sort of the main my main um, preoccupation with Micah I think was just giving some variety um, in the level of her performance because I feel like this is the sort of movie where it's it's essential that the audience remain on Julia's side, that, you know, at any given moment we feel like, okay, maybe she's not doing exactly what I would do, but she's still this, I understand her fear here and I'm with her. Um, so I think it was just sort of moderating like the levels of fear that Julia was feeling at any moment. Um, so that in the edit, we kind of had options for, you know, when like things really turned, um, how early and how much we saw, um, you know, her be open with her emotions. And um, so, yeah, I think that that was that was it. But mostly it was just Micah's, Micah's brilliance. <laughs> And when it came to filming the the moment where she's looking out of the window and she sees a figure, you know, potentially looking back at her from through a curtain, you know, what's great about that is that initially it's a silhouette and we're not sure if it's just someone in a window that she's seeing or if it's someone that's watching her until the moment where, you know, she slowly brings her hand up tentatively to wave and then she gets the wave in response, um, you know, and that scene works so well because it doesn't, it doesn't rush it. It doesn't push it. That creates the mystery before you get the double wave. And even then you see the real tension in her character with like the close up shot on her hand. So we see the tension even just like all the way in her fingers in that moment. Um, how did you kind of block out a lot of that to create all those different kind of elements and determine where you wanted to let the audience into that particular moment where you realize the two of them are seeing each other? Yeah, that was one. Um, well, I mean, honestly, for most of the scenes, I, I tend to like to do, I'm a terrible drawer, but I like to do little storyboards ahead of time to sort of visualize how it's gonna go, particularly for a scene like that, that has virtually no dialogue and it's all just about shot for shot, how are we telling the story? 
Um, and it is just like two people waving at each other <laughs> across the building. So I was, I was, I loved that scene when I, when I read it in the original script. Um, and I was very excited to do it, but also really nervous because I was like, in a way there's, it's, it's just people waving. There's, there's not anything, you know, inherently scary necessarily. It's, but it is about how you build up to that moment. Um, so yeah, I think it was just sort of about, yeah, taking these little pieces like the close-up of the hands, um, like her opening the window, seeing her from the outside, just sort of building up um, as much as possible to this place where people think, oh no, he's not gonna wave back. Um, and then choosing to sort of reveal that he is waving back in a shot where we're actually seeing her in the foreground and him in the background out of focus. Uh, because I felt like there's something very scary to me about that moment when like as a person, you almost have this sixth sense about something happening just out of your, you know, path beyond your peripheral vision. So I wanted it to sort of capture like that feeling, like even if she's not directly looking at him at that moment, it's like, you know, the hair stand up in the back of her neck and she feels that he's waving at her even before she sees it. I also thought it was interesting the way that you create kind of similar discomforts in, in moments that should feel every day, you know, the idea of going to the grocery store in the middle of the afternoon, it's not about, you know, her being followed at night. It's like in broad daylight that a lot of these things happen. Um, and so how did you want to use that idea of like being out in the world during the day where, where people can see you, but nobody else sees what's going on. And so something as innocuous as going to the grocery store can suddenly become something that's just completely filled with tension. Yeah, I mean, that was that was completely it. That was sort of the basis of the idea. I wanted it to be places where you should feel safe. Um, it doesn't feel like you're, the, the circumstances are not there to make you feel like you're in a horror movie. It's things that we as people do uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, like go to the grocery store or go to the movie theater. Um, and yeah, I mean, part of it was sort of this feeling that you're not safe anywhere. Um, but also I think part of it was, the, the scene in the grocery store, I think, allowed us to sort of perfectly see both that scene from Julia's perspective. And, you know, hopefully if I did my job correctly, you understand why even in a brightly lit grocery store surrounded by other people, it was a very scary moment for her. Um, I, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I was followed in a grocery store by a man and it was terrifying. Um, and I kind of like took that with me and just feeling like he's always like there, like popping up in aisles and like I couldn't escape him. But at the same time, I think you also see that scene from the perspective of Francis and from the perspective of just sort of men who were not there and didn't experience it in the moment, you know, when they go back and they watch the footage through the security cameras. Um, and from that perspective, you know, in this brightly lit grocery store without being there in Julia's shoes in the moment, it doesn't look threatening. It seems like she's completely overreacting even, I think. Um, anyway, that was the intention. So. <laughs> and there's also, you know, sometimes when there's stories within the, this, this realm thematically, you know, there's times where there's kind of the male protector there as a figure. And with this, even though she's with her boyfriend in this apartment together, it's really stripped away because he is one of the people that doesn't really kind of see these things as being a big deal. You know, he, like you said, he sees that security footage as well. And is like, it seems like you're the one that was watching him is kind of the perspective that he walks away with. Um, and so how do you feel like 
stripping away that idea of, of having a male protective figure that can kind of step in and be a support system to her also really just heightened a lot of the discomfort that you were able to create in the film. Yeah, I mean, I do think like such a big aspect of this is that she she is completely alone. You know, she came here with her husband and, you know, he should be supportive of her, but um, at a certain point, he's just not really a factor anymore. Um, and I feel like she feels that because he, he can't completely grasp what she's going through. Um, it's not even that he doesn't believe her. It's just that he, he, he wasn't there and he's not a woman who has spent her entire life feeling a little bit of unease in situations where you should feel safe. Um, so I think he just, you know, in a fundamental way, like can't really grasp what she's going through. So in that sense, she's completely alone. And then in like a very real way, she's completely alone because he's absent. Um, and to me, there's nothing scarier than like dealing with something on your own. It starts to really make you feel like you could be going crazy, but also it allows you to, um, you know, sort of be more bold, I think. <laughs> It does. And, and lastly, you know, this, this might kind of like step into spoiler territory a little bit, but I wanted to ask about one shot in particular towards the end where you have, you know, Micah laying down on a rug and then you have him, you know, the, the watcher figure laying down on the rug opposite her, because I loved just even the shape and the framing and the parallel element of the two of them and what that means for her in that moment and what, what it means with the fact that he lays down and all he wants to do is make that very direct eye contact that close to her in that moment. And so I was really fascinated in how the, the visual aspect of a scene like that came together. Yeah. I, I, when I was writing the sort of the scene when he attacks her um, and attempts to kill her, um, I I wanted, you know, it's, it's tough with the, the sort of killer scenes because they've been done so many times. Um, and for me, I think the thing that I, I felt with this man is that he in many ways thinks of himself as a sort of victim, which is really perverse. And like, it just, it's a, a obviously like a fundamentally like flawed thinking, but, um, I think like, you know, the sort of tenderness that he shows towards her is genuine in some way. Like in my mind, he he likes to like see the moment when his victims die and like comforting them, like brings him some sense of, um, I don't know, like some sense that he's a caretaker or something. It, it, it's like really warped, but it was just an instinct I had about him um, as a killer and Bern Gorman, you know, I think really responded to that aspect of it and the sort of tenderness and delicacy, which is even sicker when you're considering what's happening and what he's just done to her. But I think he sort of like used that as a, um, a jumping off point for a lot of interesting background history of the character and why he would be a person who his entire life has just sort of lacked and needed human touch and human connection. Um, and I think there's something about just like staring directly into someone's eyes that is like the ultimate form of connection. But clearly, um, you know, he's, he's taken it to a really perverse, awful extreme. <laughs> he should have just gone to therapy. That's the lesson. <laughs> Men should just go to therapy. 
<laughs> I think that that's such a great detail in, in that scene and it really kind of stuck out in watching the film and I love the the way that you've told this story and the perspective that you've created in it so thank you so much for talking about it really appreciate it Chloe yeah thank you so much this was fun thank you